Welcome to the alchemy of music. We all remember that song during a summer romance or during a bad breakup. We all remember that album that changed your life. And we remember that concert we'll never forget. We'll dive into those nostalgic moments, hear personal stories while examining the cultural and cerebral effects music has and the magic it creates. We'll highlight upcoming tours, artists to see, and the latest in music. I'm your host, Tommy, and now, let's begin. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alchemy of Music. I am so excited for today's episode. I've got my buddy Brian joining me. He is a movie buff, and we are going to be diving into music and film. Some of my favorite movies have the best soundtracks, and some of my favorite scenes have an incredible song that coincides with whatever's going on in the film at that moment, and it just amplifies the scene. And, you know, I thought there would be no better way to dive into this episode with my buddy Brian and talk about some of our favorite music and film. But before I get into today's episode, I want to talk about the two albums that just dropped this weekend. So on Friday, Halsey dropped her album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power, which is produced by Trent Reznor and Atticus Rose of Nine Inch Nails. And in general, I love Halsey, but the this powerhouse trio is absolutely incredible so I was very excited and on top of that this album is really about her you know her mother her journey and what it is to be a woman and her most you know feminine power and I think that's pretty dope especially being a woman I can relate and understand haven't had a a baby yet but a lot of my friends are so I do understand uh, a little bit but the album is really dope um I I can't express enough how good this album is some of my favorite songs are Lilith you asked for this um they got this like rock and roll vibe and then you can also hear like that nine inch nail sound which is you know you know that sound you can even I'm telling you listen to the album and you'll hear what I'm talking about um I also love the song I'm not a woman I'm a god so good the lighthouse and then the song that I'm really obsessed with is honey I love the lyrics it's such an incredible song and it's got this rock and roll vibe and I oh I love it so much so if you guys haven't heard it I highly recommend checking it out And I think she is going to be, there's like a, she has a giant music video film that coincides with this album that's going to be playing across in select theaters uh, across the U.S. So definitely check that out if that's something that interests you. But again, if you haven't listened to the album, it's amazing. I highly recommend it. The other album that just dropped unexpectedly is Donda. And I've said in previous episodes, I love Kanye. I I know how some people feel about Kanye West. 
I know his albums from beginning to end, from when he started to now, and Donda is really good. It gives me a lot of 2008 vibes, and the thing I love about Kanye, again, and I think I said this on this two episodes ago, is he keeps this consistent sound, so it still sounds very Kanye, and it's very upbeat, and he dives into a lot of topics that really, you know, are about sadness, um, but there's hope in them, and this album is just so good. I've been listening to it. I can't even express enough how much I love this album. If you like Kanye, you're a Kanye fan, or open to listening to any of his music, I definitely recommend checking out this album. It's really good. Uh, Some of my favorite songs are I Love Jesus Lord, Heaven and Hell, Keep My Spirit Alive, New Again. New Again really has that 2008 sort of sound to it. It just brings me back to old Kanye. Um, So that really made me happy. I also like Jail as well and Jail Part 2. But it's, it's so good. And I was just so happy this weekend because I had two albums that I really was loving between Halsey and Kanye and uh, they just took over my weekend and made it so much better. So that's that. That's all I have for you guys today and I hope you enjoy today's episode. And we're live. Brian. Hi, Donnie. Hi. Thank you for coming on my podcast. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited. This is a very special episode. I really wanted to do music and film. I feel like music is a big part of filmmaking and it can really set the tone for the scene. But I thought there was no better person to be on this episode or segment episode. There's, I think there's going to be more than this than you because you're the movie buff i i so i grew up working in video stores mm-hmm. so yeah movies was a big part of my life um starting when i was about like 14 15 years old so i you know saw a lot of movies spent a lot of time talking to people about a lot of movies um kind of so like yeah. quentin tarantino a little bit a <laughs> little bit um <laughs> you know never got into the movie business like tarantino but yeah yeah So, and you kind of are a music person anyways, like you used to play guitar. Yes. You played guitar. How long did you play guitar for? I don't know. Three, four years, four or five years. Like I was, I don't know. It was, I was never super serious. It was mostly just messing around and playing around a little bit. So I don't know. And you're a lefty too. Yeah. (laughs) And I play a pretty good upside down right-handed guitar. Just, nice. yeah, you don't find a lot of left-handed guitars, you know, out and about. Yeah. So you kind of learn to play upside down a little bit. Interesting. Just yeah. like Hendrix, you were talking, well, he used to restring his, I mean, but yeah, you find, you're adapting to. Yeah, he would play a right-handed guitar upside down. Mm-hmm. So that was a little different. Yeah. Or restring it upside down. Yeah, restring it. Um, And then I also, when I think, I, when I think of you in general, I think of... Radiohead but yeah what how did you when did your music take like when did you 
you you said that your parents played music. Yeah. So I remember growing up, you know, my folks would always listen to music on like Saturday and Sunday mornings when they didn't have to work and they were around the house and stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, my mom was big on Billy Joel. Dad did a lot of like CCR, like Southern rock band type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there was a lot of music in the house when I was younger. Um, I remember kind of starting to listen to music myself. I remember having old cassettes. Um, I think I had Green Day Dookie. And I think we had Bush, 16th Stone. And I'm pretty sure I listened to those two CDs back to back for a good year. Yeah. But yeah, um, bit of a music guy growing up. Nice. And then, so, I mean, those are both... I don't know, when I think of quintessential 90s, I think of Bush or Green Day. So those were the good days. And then, so when, like I said, and I think of you, I think of Radiohead. Mm. When did you get into Radiohead? Not till late, not till college. Um, I think the first Radiohead album I heard, and still my favorite to this day, was In Rainbows. Um, I think they did that one. I think that one was free. You could download that one free, and that was wild because we were all broke college kids. Um, Or it was like, pay what you want type Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, But that was kind of where I got in and then just kind of listened to, like, all of it from there. Yeah. And that, to this day, is still my favorite Radiohead album. Oh. I remember you telling me that years ago, and that stuck in my head. Yeah, it's a good one. And you've seen Radiohead live. I did. That was a wild show. Yeah, that was was probably the coolest stadium show I've ever been to. Really? Yeah, that was a good one. Um, They're they're just, they're wonderful. They were were really good. Um, It's just so big. It's kind of like, it it felt like it was like kind of towards the end of like, Almost towards the end of rock and roll, if you think mm. about it. There aren't a lot of old rock bands yeah. left, you good, know? Good point. Good you know, point. Incubus is kind of around maybe yeah. and like the Foo Fighters, but, yeah. you know, like my kid's 11. She doesn't listen to any of that yeah. stuff. She thinks rock and roll's lame, you uh, know? It's crazy. I know. You know who's been bringing it back, though, is Machine Gun Kelly. He's doing a lot of punk albums. That'd be wild. I'd love to see, like, rock music come back into, like, she's... the conversation for the kids. Because mine, like I said, she's 11 and she just, like, can't be bothered. She uh, doesn't care. Yeah, no. I know. It's definitely hard. It's, like, sad because it's, like, rock's great. Yeah. But I'm kind of happy because I really, like, as Curtis, I've been listening to a lot of Machine Gun Kelly. And he, yeah. it's, like, Blink-182, Green Day, but now. And it's really good. So highly recommend if you haven't listen to him try it It, but it's nice it's like refreshing you're like yeah thank god okay (laughs) but and then so you've seen uh, we just talked about radiohead and then saves the day in incubus your other two favorite concerts so i remember one of the first concerts i ever went to uh was corn and incubus and i forget who else i want to say it was like pod but i can't remember but it was at uh it was at umass amherst and uh yeah i don't know my parents were like yeah whatever go but like i I feel like i must have been about my kid's age at this point and i can't imagine her going and doing that (laughs) that's so funny but yeah that was that was a really good show and then we saw him a couple times after that i think i saw him after they did crow left of the murder that was a great show um they played science at the first one and that was cool and then saves the day 
god i must have saw them five or six times and we kind of grew up listening to them you know emo punk rock was Mm -hmm. you know right in that age where we grew up yeah um high school years so um yeah i saw them a bunch i think i saw them play most of their albums um and they were always a favorite yeah stone and jen just said that (laughs) saves the day yeah that's great that's awesome so i there well I'm, I have you here because you're the the movie guy. And this episode, I wanted to dive in a little bit about, you know, your music history. But I wanted to, you know, talk about music and film. And there's no other expert than I that I know than you. So what do you love about a movie and that scene with that song? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up, um, you know, in the 90s, I'm a couple years older than you, and I grew up with a lot of, like, you know, your late 80s, early 90s, like, action flicks and, like, adventure movies, Spielberg was big back then, mm-hmm. um, so I love, like, 80s, 90s monsters movies, Jaws, Aliens, stuff like that, that was kind of my wheelhouse, and, and still is, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I find myself like making a list to come talk about in this podcast and what are my favorite movies and my favorite music scenes. And for me, it's a lot of old scores. Um, so not necessarily songs, but music that was written for mm-hmm. these old movies. And I think that kind of goes back to what I was talking about before with growing up in the 90s and being big on Spielberg and stuff, because that's what a lot of those movies had. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of find myself leaning towards. But there are some scenes in movies that without the music or without whatever song they put in there just wouldn't quite be the same. Mm-hmm. So that's what I tried to focus on when we deciding what I wanted to talk about tonight. Yeah. So, you know, you were telling me about Jaws earlier, so take it away. Yeah. So I, I remember the first time I saw Jaws and I'm trying to remember how old I was. I think I was like seven or eight. And I remember sitting in my grandmother's living room with my father and his brother, my uncle, and Jaws was on. And I don't know what this was on. I don't know if they had like an old video cassette they rented or something because we used to go to Blockbuster on the mm-hmm. weekends back then. Um, but they had the movie in and like it had all the gory stuff in it. So it must have been that. <laughs> but I remember sitting there in the living room with them watching it and watching the whole movie and being a little freaked out by it. And then there's a scene towards the end where the shark gets on the boat and Quint goes into the shark's mouth legs first. Mm-hmm. And it just starts eating him and he's mm-hmm. screaming and there's blood everywhere and like he's dying and the shark's eating him. And the other two are holding on for dear life. And like that was it for me. Like that was mm-hmm. it for the ocean. I was like, nope. I was like, there's monsters in there. Like I'm not, I'm done. Like I've been in the ocean since, but I'm always uncomfortable and I never go that deep. Yeah. So like Jaws has got kind of a, a personal meaning for me. Yeah. But the the music, so when they wrote that movie, it had a bunch of scenes with like a big mechanical shark jumping out of the water mm. and doing all sorts of wacky stuff. So they built this big mechanical shark in a pool and mm. they tested it in fresh water and it didn't work when they put it in the ocean. So they have this big monster movie with this big mechanical shark doing all this crazy stuff and they can't get it to work. Mm-hmm. It's one of Spielberg's first big movies. The studios gave him a big budget. He had just done, 
I forget what, but he had just done something and they gave him a bunch of money and they're like, go ahead and make a movie. Mm-hmm. And they're filming on the water and that's really hard and the shark doesn't work and they're behind and they're late and they're over budget. Mm-hmm. So they're filming during the day and then they're going back to the house they rented at night and they're rewriting the movie because they can't film the scenes that they mm-hmm. wrote because the shark doesn't work. So they're rewriting everything. They're changing the story to fit with what they can do. And what they end up with is a couple of scenes with the mechanical shark, but a lot of like first person point of view scenes of it underwater. And mm. just that's all you see. You see, you know, the ocean floor and you kind of infer that like you're looking from the shark mm-hmm. and they sit in the room and they go and sit down and watch the movie and they watch it before John Williams did the score. And like the movie doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's not scary. It's kind of weird. They don't know what to think of it. And then John Williams writes that old Jaws theme, you know, mm-hmm. and they sit down and they watch it again and the movie works and they knew they have something. And that was one of like the first blockbusters after Star Wars. Like people were lined up like all weekend mm-hmm. to see the movie, like all summer long that movie played. Um, so that's one of my favorite movies personally and one of my favorite movie, you know, s- music stories from movies mm-hmm. because without the music... It's not really the same. Yeah. No, and it's true. And it's funny that you just, you told me that story because my cousin was over the other day and I was telling her about my podcast and I was telling her about this episode and she actually took a class and it was about music and film and they talked about like Alfred Hitchcock um, and how it just like the scene would be completely different if you didn't have, you know that sound yeah so it just like doesn't it it does it makes the scene basically yeah so and then what's your other one so the other so the other movie as so the other monster movie for me as a kid that really resonated you know being born in the 80s growing up in the 90s was Mm -hmm. jurassic park so i remember going to see that movie as a kid and you know I went with a friend of mine and his little brother and his father took us and we were eight. So his little brother must've been like five, maybe Mm -hmm. six. And I don't know if you remember the first scene in Jurassic park, but it's raining and there's a bunch of people out in the Mm -hmm. rain and there's this big cage and this guy gets pulled into the cage by whatever's in there. You don't know what Mm -hmm. it is. And eats his arm and he's bleeding and he's screaming and he's dying (laughs) kind of like jaws. (laughs) And my friend's little brother just starts just, bursts into tears he's just <laughs> terrified but you know five minutes into the movie and you know as a father now i'm sure his old man was just like oh my god i can't believe this is happening right now so, so funny. i don't know if he took his little brother to to do something different or they just sat and waited for us or yeah. what but me and my friend watched the whole movie and they had to sit outside the whole time but you know w- talking about music so back to music you know if you grew up in the 90s, you know, you, you know the Jurassic Park theme song. Yeah. So, you know, the first time that theme song plays in the movie is when the two the two paleontologists, so Dr. Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler, pull mm-hmm. up in the car and you hear the dinosaur in the background and Hugh Grant stands up and he pulls his glasses off in the back of the Jeep and they get out or whatever. And then you pull up and you see the dinosaur and they play the theme song. And as an eight-year-old boy, like what is better than seeing a big dinosaur in a movie with this big booming soundtrack, you know? And it was the first time they really used CGI in movies that effectively. Um, And it's just this big dinosaur. And that was, that was another moment for me. That was, 
you know, kind of larger than life Yeah, as a young person that really left, you know, a mark yeah. on me. I know. And do you even, like, that's like an orchestra, basically, that film score, right? Yeah. So a lot of the movies back then, it was a full orchestra that would film. I know, um, was it John Williams, I think, did Jaws? I don't know who did Jurassic Park. Um, but yeah, they'd hire, you know, a conductor and an orchestra to mm. put together movie soundtracks. Um, which they don't really do as much anymore. It's a lot of, like, songs now. Songs, yeah. Which is cool, too. But just where I grew up and what I loved as a kid, those types of soundtracks really were, you know, influential. Mm -hmm. And some movies still do it, you know. My kid's 11 now. Um, You know, she got into Harry Potter... God, I don't know, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and she's getting a little bit older, you know. She's kind of getting out of it now. But huge Harry Potter fan. And, you know, I remember those movies. And they use a, an orchestra to play all the songs in yeah. those movies. But you don't see it a ton. Um, but it's still done. And I think when it's done, it's it's done really well. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. So anything else that you have on your mind? I mean, I could rattle off a half dozen other movies that I grew up on that had, like, great scores. You know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, um, but, you know, Goonies. Oh, the Goonies. That was a good movie. And that had that had a Cyndi Lauper song in it. Yeah. So that wasn't, that was a little different. Um, and she did a music video for that yeah. too. It was in the movie. Yeah, they're like it's in the beginning, right? When yeah, like in the living room and. Yeah, they tie they tie his older brother up to yeah. the chair and run out and grab their bikes and go off and get in yeah. trouble and find treasure and shit. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a good. I love that movie. I forgot about that. That's Cindy Lauper's in that movie. Yep, those were the days. I know, but yeah, same thing. That was late eighties, early nineties. You know, kind of yeah. when I was, you know old enough and working in a video store where I could grab whatever I wanted off the shelf and yeah. take it home and watch it. And we just kind of had everything there. Yeah. I, um, I like a lot of eighties soundtracks. Do you? Yeah. What do you like? Like I love risky business. Yeah. Risky business, old time rock and roll. And then in the air tonight, mm. the, have you ever seen that movie? No. It's a great movie. Yeah, the old thing. Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, yeah, young Tom Cruise sliding yeah. across the floor in his underwear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that a million the times. vibes. Uh, and so that one, and then Top Gun. I was telling you that story mm. earlier. A kid, I'm not going to say any names that I used to go, I was friends with when I was younger. He used to call me when I was like in middle school and actually <laughs> play me the Top Gun soundtrack on the phone. It's a bold move. <laughs> Top Gun's got a great soundtrack, but I don't know about that whole like holding a boombox outside the window thing. Uh, any others that you're thinking of? Um, you know, I, I think that was kind of, those are the big ones for me, mm-hmm. you know, and then as you kind of move through time and as I get older and they really stopped doing a lot of that stuff, mm. you know, you get into the Tarantino stuff and he was always great with his soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Tarantino. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs, you know, that has the scene in it where they torture the cop mm-hmm. and they play Stuck in the Middle with You. And mm-hmm. if there was ever a song that was synonymous with a movie scene, it's got to be that yeah. one. Like, I don't think you can, most people, if you've seen that movie, you can't hear that song and yeah. not think of him, you know, cutting that poor guy's ear off yeah. and pouring gasoline on him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, he has some. He I forget. It was either I don't think it was Joe Rogan. I think it was um, Dak Shepard's podcast. He was talking about how when he writes a scene. It was one or the other. I don't know which one. But when he writes a scene, he'll put the music on to, like, pick, to have the music coincide with whatever the scene he's writing. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. He's one of the last guys in Hollywood that can, like, get away with making weird shit like that. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, they just keep reprinting and remaking all this old intellectual property. And, like, nobody writes or does anything anymore. And it's just the same old recycled shit. But, like, Tarantino's just like, you know, I'm going to write a... I'm going to write a revisionist story about the Manson murders. (laughs) And, you know what I mean? Brad Pitt's going to bang some girl's head off the desk for, you know, 30 seconds. But... Uh, that had a good soundtrack too it did yeah i like that movie once upon a time in hollywood was good i think um i remember they played the doors la woman that was a good one pulp fiction pulp fiction yeah the dance scene with john travolta and uma thurman um chuck berry yeah they're at the the you know the burger place or whatever Mm -hmm. um and it's funny you're talking about rogan so i was listening to tarantino on rogan i don't know a month or two ago he was Mm -hmm. on and when he wrote that Vincent Vega part, he wrote it for Michael Madsen. Yeah. Um, the Bill from Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, but they had like a conflict and he couldn't do it. So he got Travolta. And, you know, it, it, the way he tells the story, it kind of sounds like, you know, Travolta's like, you know, he's not Michael Madsen. It's not the yeah. guy. It's not the guy he wrote the part for. But, you know, Travolta's a phenomenal actor. He's super famous. Like, great, whatever. And then they get to the scene as they're shooting, and he's like, holy shit. He's like, Travolta was like in Saturday Night Fever. He can dance. Yeah. And they do that scene, and that I think that's my favorite dance scene. Yeah. That's a good one. I love that movie. Yeah. And she's just unbelievable in everything she does. She's so good as that character. Yeah. One of my favorites is when she they leave her alone with the bag. Yeah, and they play girl you'll be a woman soon and John Travolta is like debating whether he should like go home Mm -hmm. should he (laughs) bang this girl that he's supposed to like you know keep Mm -hmm. an eye on or just think about it yeah um (laughs) a good scene yeah that's a great movie and what do they do they end up back at the dealer's house and they have to they have to inject her yeah yeah Yeah. and then there's like the quiet scene when they're coming back i think there's one scene they're just both sitting in the car and she's got like blood coming out of her nose and she's all messed up and he's all disheveled and they're Mm -hmm. just like quiet yeah in the car back not saying anything just looking straight ahead tarantino you know always does really good soundtracks you know and he he grew up working in video stores and he's like a movie nerd and he liked a lot of like, you know, old Kung Fu movies mm-hmm. and like seventies movies. He does a lot of like, he liked like a lot of like the black exploitation movies and stuff like that. Um, so he, you know, he grew up kind of a generation before I did, or maybe two generations, mm-hmm. but he kind of had the same thing. And then, um, you know, he started writing and I think Reservoir Dogs was his first movie. Um, and nobody really gets away with it in Hollywood like he does anymore. At least that's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. He is just classic. He's one of a kind. I was going to say one of my favorites is Inglorious Bastards when they play David Bowie, Cat People. What scene's that? Um, putting out the fire with gasoline. 
And it's Brad Pitt's like, I don't know, like they're on, they're like loading up their guns or something. And they're, um, I forget what scene it is, but it's like important. They're, they're getting ready to fight. I haven't (laughs) seen that movie in probably five or six years. Uh, You know, we talked about doing this podcast and I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I should rewatch all these movies I want to talk about. I think I got through like three of them. I got a list like twenty <laughs> something on my phone. So I'm like, oh, like, oh yeah, I like that movie. That had a good song. What scene was that in? Like, are we sure? Oh, maybe that song isn't in that movie. Okay. You thinking of anything else? Because I have some that you like. What do you I, got? Well, blow. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies of all times. Ooh, that smell. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that movie. You know, Johnny Depp is great in that movie but Ray Liotta what he does in that movie is one of my favorite things in movie history the the scene at the end and and Johnny Depp gets in you know winds up in jail and he he pulls out the tape recorder and he's smoking a cigarette and he starts recording this message to his old man who always supported him no matter what um and he knows he's never going to see him again and you get him in the in the in the jail cell recording the message and you get Ray Liotta in his garage listening to it. Like, if you don't cry in that in that scene and when you watch that movie, you know, mm. you're not paying attention because the two of them are unbelievable. Yeah. And Ray Liotta in that movie was, for my money, one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like Ray Liotta. He's a good actor. Yeah. And that's a good one, man. It starts out, you know, and the soundtrack kind of changes as you go through. Yeah, it it starts out, the movie's real fun and so is the music. And then by the end of it, yeah. you know, it's kind of tough. So, Cream, Strange Brew, oh, Black Betty by... Yeah, that's like, yeah, things are going good when they play Black Betty. Yeah. They're making money, you know, they're selling drugs, you know, nobody's in jail, everything's good. Yeah. That's kind of like where the movie peaks. Yeah. And then I think Blinded by the Light. Yeah. And there's another song. Oh, Keep It Coming, Love, Casey. (laughs) He's in the Sunshine Band. That was a good one. I Johnny Depp's always in stuff with good soundtracks. Yeah. I also liked um I one of my favorite movies we were talking about last night is Boogie Nights. <sighs> there see that's a movie. I probably haven't seen that in like twenty years. It's a great movie. Yeah, I remember seeing that one when I was way too young too. <laughs> Watched it. Holy shit. Yeah. And there's a lot of good songs. The Beach Boys, God only knows what I'd be without. I'm singing here. <laughs> it's a good one. And then we were, I was telling you earlier that I loved, you got to watch the movie The Wackness. I can't believe you've never seen that movie. It's great. Is it? Yeah. It's about this kid living in New York City in the 90s. And just the music is Nas, The World Is Yours, A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Can I kick it? It's... Just a friend, Bismarcky. What's the other one I really... Oh, like Notorious B.I.G. and Total, Can't You See? Notorious B.I.G., The What is a good song, too. It's all... But it's just, like, got such a good playlist, and you feel like you're you're in the 90s, and hip-hop when it was at its finest. New soundtracks that were really good. Uh, movies that were big with music. Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you guys see Guardians of the Galaxy? No, but everyone's told us the soundtrack's dope. So the soundtrack's dope. And what's cool is he, his mom dies when he's a kid. Yeah, the Chris Pratt character, like the main guy, Star-Lord, mm-hmm. right? 
So main character or whatever. And the story is, you know, I think he, I think his mom dies of cancer. I'm pretty sure he's sitting by the bed or whatever. And then like his dad comes and gets him and his dad's like from space and they jet off to space and like mm-hmm. the movie starts or whatever. But all he's got left of his mom in the whole movie is the cassette tape. Mm. And the cassette tape has got all the songs on the soundtrack to the movie. So, and they're awesome. Like, right. So like Spirit in the Sky, Come and Get Your Love, you know, Hooked on a Feeling. Mm-hmm iconic soundtrack and what they do is they tie it into the story of the movie and i'm pretty sure they sold like a ton of albums for that i don't think movie soundtracks usually do that well and they did really really well for that one that's a great flick that's big that's Mm -hmm. great with music ferris bueller's day off also has one of the most iconic movies and like scenes Mm. in, in music history when they're at the parade at the end and you know cameron and his girlfriend can't find him they don't know where he is and they find him he's up on the He's up on the float, and they do Twist and Shout by the Beatles, oh, yeah. and everybody's in Chicago, or they're Chicago, right? They're Chicago, I don't know. Everybody's dancing and singing, and it's a whole number and stuff like that. That was a big one. You don't really see, like, the big musical numbers in movies anymore. No. You used to kind of do that. Little Shop of Horrors, you know, Steve Martin and yeah. stuff. They used to do, like, musicals. Yeah. But, I don't know. Do you like musicals? You don't them seem like the musical Not guy. really. No, I wouldn't say I like them. Little Shop of Horrors was pretty cool. I grew yeah. up on that. You remember that with the big plant? Yeah. He's the the dentist, and mm-hmm. he like always is like you know hurting people and never using Novocaine. Yeah. And then is it Rick Moranis starts yeah, feeding people Rick to Moranis. the feed me Seymour. Uh, I always liked. I was partial for Chicago. Have you ever seen Chicago? No, I'm like aware of it. It's a thing. I don't think I've ever sat down and actually it's, watched it's it. It's good. Yeah. Is it? It's like Catherine Zeta. I mean, yeah, Catherine Zeta Jones kills her husband and his lover and she's like a dancer and she gets arrested and Roxy Hart's like um she is like being abused by her husband and she wants to be this like club dancer just like and so she decide it becomes a thing to kill your husband and uh and so that's what the movie's about like being getting famous and um, it's just like got an interesting plot, but I like that one. Nice. It's like a good soundtrack. We used to like torture me and my friend. This, we were in eighth grade and we had the soundtrack. And I remember driving with her dad, her stepdad and her brothers. And we would just like blast that. And I'm like, they were probably so annoyed. Us two girls like blasting a musical. <laughs> Chicago was great, but. <laughs> Betty loved it. What else do you have for me? Empire Records. I mean... Oh, that's a good movie. I didn't even think of that. Another movie about music. It's not just a soundtrack, but Mm. it's, you know, it's kids growing up in a record store, which wasn't that different than growing up working in a video store. Yeah. You know, they worked in some independent little record store that was, Mm -hmm. like, going out of business to the big corporate chains. I started off working at a little, like, mom-and-pop shop in the middle of town, and then they went out of business, and I ended up working at Blockbuster, which, like, wasn't the same. Mm. It was cool, but not not the same. Not the same vibe. No, 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 no. We used to, you know, hang out in the store and, you know, get in trouble and stuff like that, and all the regulars liked us, and it was cool, and then Blockbuster was, you know, you got to be on your best behavior and wear your khakis and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so not not quite the same. But the perks were good. You know, you get to take home all the new movies. Yeah. Because they wanted you to be able to tell the customers what you liked. Yeah. You know, so you'd be able to take everything home because the stores get the movies, you know, a week before they were allowed to, mm-hmm. like, put them out for the customers. So 
you know, they'd be sitting behind the desk for a week and mm-hmm. you could take them home. And then when people asked, you know, what's going on. So mm-hmm. that was, that was cool. I'm looking at the, um, cause I don't even remember that play the album, the Empire Records, but now I'm looking at it. Gin Blossoms, the Cranberries. It's great. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. That was a good one. That was another movie of my, of my, of my youth. Young and angsty, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And then I was going to talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, yeah, please. You got to remember that. Keanu Reeves. Who's the other one? God, I can't remember the other guy's name. Said everybody He was in The Last Boys, I remember. Yeah, let's see. So they did that movie and... What's this guy's name? Alex Winter. That's who it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did it, and they're like, you know, they did the first movie, and they're like young kids, and they're like playing a rock band, and they have to write their history paper, and what was it? The guy comes back from the future, and he's like, you guys have to save the world, but first you need to write your history paper, and then they go through history and write their fucking history paper. Mm. But then, did you hear they redid that? They made another yeah. one recently, and it's mm. like, these guys are like 40-year-old burnouts, mm. and they still haven't written the song that saves the world. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, and I think it's like That's, it's free on something. I gotta sit down and watch it. it. Yeah. But I remember they're like they're doing another one. I'm like, really? And then they're like, yeah, yeah. It's about them. They're losers. They're old, and they still haven't done anything with their lives. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> I'm in for that. Sign me up. Uh. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I just I saw like when I heard the story about what it was gonna be about, I was like, yes, all of that all of that you could sign me up for all the old nostalgia you know what i mean like they're redoing ghostbusters you hear about that no so again kid growing up in the late 80s early 90s ghostbusters big thing i was ghostbusters for at least one halloween toys all over the place you know proton packs all that um oh yeah it's the guys who's the guy that died uh harold harold reitman or yeah harold ramus yeah isn't it like his son is like as so or something, or? the story in the movie is, um, what is it? His daughter and his grandkid, I think, like move out to some old house and it's Finn Wolfhard, the kid from Stranger Things. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, you know, they, there's some scene in the preview where like, oh, like we moved out here cause like we're broke and all my grandpa or all my old man left me was this like lousy old haunted house or whatever. So they mm-hmm. move out to the sticks and, um, you know, he ends up in the old garage and he finds the old, like, Ecto-1 and, like, you know, his old man is dead. And it's funny because, you know, Harold Ramis is dead in real life, too, mm. you know? So they write the they write the movie like that. What's cool is the behind-the-scenes. So Ivan Reitman was the director and I think the writer for the original Ghostbusters. And, like, he was a huge famous director, like, back then, producer, um, you know, whatever. His kid grew up on the set. So his kid was on the set while dad's like filming this movie Mm. with, you know, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis and all these super famous people. And uh, his kid is now a famous director too. And for years, people have been like, when are you going to write a Ghostbusters movie? When are you going to write a Ghostbusters movie? He's like, I'm not going to do it. It's my dad's movie. It's my dad's story. I'm not doing it. Mm. So he wrote a fucking Ghostbusters movie. Mm. And that's what's coming out this summer. So it's not only about like, you know, dead Egon's grandkid or whatever, like finding out who his grandfather was and like learning who he is as a person, I'm sure, or whatever. I'm sure it's some coming of age story. Mm-hmm. But it's also about like the guy who wrote its kid coming back and like rewriting another like another version mm. of his old man's story. So like I'm all in for that. Yeah. Give me all the nostalgia. Yeah. All that old stuff That's I grew really up great. with. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm in for all that. The eighties were great. Yeah, the movies are great, you know? Mm. I mean, I'm I'm biased. That's when I grew up seeing them. So <laughs> So I was thinking, 
One of my favorites. You probably haven't seen it, but I loved Marie Antoinette's. Uh, Marie Antoinette's. Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. And what I liked about that is it's a period piece, but they play modern music. So they play I Want Candy. And like there's okay. just modern tracks. And it's really cool. And I liked how she kind of twisted it a little bit because it's back in the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Changes it up a little bit. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Remember Back to the Future? Mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. That was like, that was the first time Michael J. Fox was like in like a movie. Mm. He was on, um, he was on TV for years. God, what was that show he was uh, on? He was on some sitcom that he was like super famous for. Yeah. Um, Family Ties. Family Ties. Yeah. And I remember I watched, they did some Netflix show about like old movies the other day I watched and uh, like he was filming Family Ties during the day and then he was like driving out or flying out and filming Back to the Future at night and you know he finishes his performance and I think he apologized to somebody he's like I was half asleep the whole time I wasn't sleeping I didn't do great and then like the movie was like a huge hit and they Mm -hmm. did more and it like catapulted him to all sorts of superstardom but same thing as all those other movies there was a great old score you know when they're driving out at the end you know I don't know if you've ever been to Universal Studios they used Mm -hmm. to have an old an old Back to the Future ride on there and they play the theme song there Mm -hmm. and shit but then they had, was it Huey Lewis in the News? Mm-hmm. Remember them? They did The Power mm-hmm. of Love. Yeah. And that was like, they did a music video that was like, I think I think Marty McFly was in it. Yeah. Michael oh, J. Fox was in the that. music video. Yeah. So they kind of double dipped there. They did, you know, the old school score and then they pulled in some That's like cool. trendy music, you yeah. know. Yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Now that you bring that up, I'm like, That's funny. Mm-hmm. I feel like someone would probably get mad at us out there if we didn't mention Almost Famous. There's another movie yes. about music with great music in it. Almost Famous is the best. I loved, um, well, I love Simon and Garfunkel, so there's America, mm-hmm. and then um, Deep Purple, and obviously everyone thinks of Tiny Dancer on the bus ride. Yeah. That, That's yeah. a very emotional I think scene. If, yeah, I think if you're going to pick one song to kind of sum that movie up, uh, that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Tiny Dancer in that movie, you know, like I said, I feel like that song really kind of, that that's that's the pinnacle. Help you know, that's that, that scene movie, in that movie, movie that like wouldn't be good without the song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, you know, there's a million movies with a million good songs in it, but it's the ones that like kind of tie it into the story or like when they write certain scenes that just aren't as good. Yeah. Without the music. Yeah. Those are the that's what I think's really cool. I agree. And we were talking about Dazed and Confused earlier too. Yeah, that's another one. That's a good one. That's an old one. When they're driving around listening to Sweet Emotion, I love that. Yeah. I was a big old brother where art thou guy. You ever see that weird yes, movie yeah. with George Clooney in it? Like who thought bluegrass could be cool? Yeah. But that's, it is. I've heard that soundtrack, actually. The soundtrack's really good. I think that's another one where they sold a bunch of those, like, where they don't, yeah. you know, they don't really sell a lot of them. But, yeah, it was all, like, bluegrass music yeah. and, like, that weird old folk stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, they had a song, Man of Constant Sorrow. I forget who wrote it, but, like, you know, Clooney yeah. stands in, like, he's singing it in the movie and he's yeah. clearly not. But, yeah, it's a good one. So, Janet said Forrest Gump. Yeah, Forrest Gump, you know pulls together some of the most iconic songs ever in in movie history. Yeah. And that movie by itself is just so wonderful. Mm. Um there there's just something special about that whole movie that I, I feel like they never really replicated. No. You know? And and they kinda you know, they take 
this big overarching view of like America through what is it like the 60s and 70s and mm-hmm. 80s and 90s and like into the early 2000s and they kind of filter it through like the vision of a guy who like doesn't really get what's going on mm-hmm. you know and it's just so interesting how they do it and he's mm-hmm. you know so wonderful you know, he's in you know Vietnam and he comes back and starts a shrimp boat and he's in love with this woman and like you know things are clearly not going well for her the whole time and mm-hmm. like you know, she's not particularly good to him, but he's just all in, you yeah. know, and that, you know, that's an all-time great performance for, you know, Tom Hanks, that one, and then Saving Private Ryan was probably my yeah. other favorite Tom Hanks movie, another great movie with an old score, Yeah, nobody really talks about music in war movies, you know yeah. what I mean, but that's like, point. those are, you know, because it's nothing recognizable, you know, it's old, orchestral, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, those are those are movies where you don't really get to where you need to be emotionally without, like, some big music mm-hmm. in the background. And Tom Hanks, because everybody loves Tom <laughs> Hanks. I got, I got maybe one more good one. Maybe a couple. But I got one that's definitely good. What is it? Train Spotting. Oh, yeah. Remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor. And he's, like, they're all doing heroin the whole time. And, you know, it's like a movie about them doing heroin mm-hmm. and, like, getting off heroin at the end and getting back on heroin and then getting off heroin again. But uh, they do Lust for Life, and they do, like, the opening scene where he's, like, I don't know, he stole something from somebody, and mm-hmm. he's, like, running, and he does, like, the opening monologue about, like, you know, choose uh, choose life, choose this, choose that, and he's, like, you know, why do you need any of that when you got mm-hmm. drugs? And then the same thing at the end, I think, do they play the same song or they play something different? But they do some big closing monologue, too. Um, but, yeah, that first scene, they play Lust for Life, and he's running down the road, running away from somebody. You know, clearly mm. just like sweating and pale mm. and looking terrible. That was a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. I like that one. I like that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen another one. I haven't seen in like ten, fifteen years. Yeah, it's been a while for me too. Mm-hmm. I was thinking one of my favorites. Like when you say make a movie, I love Donnie Darko and they play Tears for Fears and they're yeah. in the school. Yeah, that I was like. That's just such a good scene. Yeah, that whole movie is so bizarre. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, the the weird music kind of lends itself to that, yeah. you know? So what are you currently listening to right now? <sighs> I don't know. A lot of fantasy football podcasts trying to keep up with my fantasy football nerd friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen I listen to a lot of, like, lo- lo-fi hip-hop when I'm mm-hmm. working. I did, I did a lot of... Um, classical music in college when I was studying like I like listening to music it helps me concentrate but I can't mm. do words and yeah. if there's words like it's just I can't too do much it. stimulation yeah it's just my brain goes elsewhere and I can't handle it so do a lot of lo-fi hip-hop I grew up watching a lot of like cartoons and like adult swim and being up late at night mm-hmm. and, you know doing that sort of thing again same thing just growing up in the late 80s early 90s that was just kind of what kid you know young mm-hmm. men did so that's kind of where I got the hook in me, and and it's funny. One of the young kids I play paintball with kind of introduced me to it. He's like, "Oh yeah, you remember all that weird music they used to play all between the shows?" He's like, "That's a thing. It's called lo-fi hip hop, and like, <laughs> and they have like three, four hour long tracks where you can just like to play it on YouTube or play yeah. it on Spotify, and like you know, I'll listen to it when I'm working, and mm. it just kind of like keeps me yeah keeps me focused. So yeah. you know, why? What are you listening to? What am I listening to? Oh gosh! Well, I really love Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, yeah, I'm you said really that. feeling he's he's great. I love Toja Cat. She's pretty cool. So so Machine Gun Kelly, back up for a minute here. So like, okay, I'm like old and like I don't know things anymore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he used to like do rap, right? Yes. What's up with the guitar? So I think he just could play. It's funny because Jen was on my last episode and she said she actually saw. 
him when he was younger. She's pretty sure at Warp Tour. And I just think he's like plays a lot of music. So he was rapping and then he made a like a punk rock album. And it's so good. Like it's it just it brings me back. Thank God. And people are mad. People are like mad. And he's like. He's like, I'm allowed to dip around and <laughs> make what I want to make. Maybe not. Huh? But now people are like it more. Someone might kill me for saying that. But a lot of people now feel like he should just stay over because it's that good. And he's just killing it. He's killing it right now. Bring back rock and roll. Bring, I'm gonna yeah. Have, I'm ask my kid about this. <laughs> no shot she likes that. Yeah. So that's what I've pretty much been listening to lately. I miss Lollapalooza. I screwed up, but. We're all old now, and you're listening to punk rock. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's good, though. Nah, it's cool. I love to see it, you know? Like, you know, it's grew up listening to. I remember having old Blink-182 albums and listening to those and torturing my parents with them. Yeah. God, my poor parents. Yeah. And, well, now he plays with Travis Barker. Who? Machine Gun Kelly? Kelly. Yeah, that's Stop. his. Travis Barker is his drummer. I don't know if he tours with them. Are they he both might... dating Kardashians? No. Mm. He's dating Megan Fox. He's Travis is dating Courtney. But. Yeah, God bless. Yeah. Good for them. So. Well, anyways, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This, this was episode. fun. It was good. I think we need to do this more. We can, we can do this more. I can talk about movies anytime you want. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining me on another episode of The Alchemy of Music. I had so much fun making this episode with Brian. I actually had the giggles a lot, I noticed, when I was editing this episode. So we had a lot of fun, and he'll definitely be back. Um, I know some people had responded to my Instagram about uh, their favorite music and film. I want to know what you guys think, anything we talked about, anything we didn't discuss. I know we did forget Romeo and Juliet. That is an incredible um, soundtrack, but I promise I will feature it in another episode. I promise. I promise. But again, I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what you think. Please do not forget to like, rate, and review this podcast. It helps this podcast get out there, and it helps these wonderful, nostalgic stories be heard by all of you guys. And again, thank you so much for the ongoing support. I really appreciate it. I will not be here next week, so I will talk to you guys in two weeks. I hope you have an amazing day, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you.